Another episode of Breaking Mayberry, playing the banjo while Rome burns. It is a show about watching the Andy Griffith show to figure out why all of your granddad's brains are broken and why the world is the way it is today. Uh, my name is Marty Schneider, and I am one of your hosts. I'm the other one. I'm Dan Ludwig. And uh, we're, uh, I'm really excited to get into the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, before we do, I just want to thank everyone who has listened to us so far this is almost, this is like episode 19 for us. We're coming up on the end of season one, which I didn't think we'd make it through. I didn't think we'd get this far. I, I was, I'm still surprised that we have this much material to work with and also this many people who are engaged with our stupid ramblings. We're coming up on the last, these are the last three episodes of season one. I really like the symmetry of the last three episodes because they kind of echo yeah. the first three episodes really well. We're trying, after we get done with season one, we'll probably take a quick break, kind of regroup, uh, come up with some good ideas, kind of re-evaluate uh, and come back a couple weeks later for season two. If you want to continue to support us, if you like what we're doing here, real easy things you can do. Easiest thing is tell your friends, share it, tweet it, put up the links everywhere, tell all of your friends. Second, if you really want to help us out, you can always hit that review button, give us uh, some stars, give us a rating, a review. That really helps as far as Apple Podcasts and iTunes go. That helps the algorithms promote our show. That helps us rise up in charts. Uh, and it's it's a good way to you know help your favorite podcasters. So, yeah, please do that. And uh, finally, we don't promote it very much, but we do have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. We promote the Patreon constantly. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Where you can uh, sign up, support us monetarily, and get bonus episodes. That's some of the stuff we're talking about, uh, including what's going to happen when we get a copy of uh, Chrome by George Nader. We finally have a lead on this and uh, someone sending it to us. If you haven't been listening, we're hunting down a gay 70s erotica sci-fi novel written by a guy who was on the Andy Griffith show once and was an almost astoundingly bad actor just one of the worst actors I've ever seen we became enamored with this man uh and so I was sent a picture of the copy of Chrome that we're getting these are the pull quotes that are this is on the on the front cover it says an unholy mixture of science fiction and gay porn Kirkus reviews that's on the front cover. That's the one they were like, yep, this is this is the king. This is our, our best one. Um, My favorite is a, a futuristic tale of gay fusion and mutant love. Just, I want mutant love tattooed on my knuckles. I don't know how that's better than intense emotional interaction of the homosexual <laughs> kind. <laughs> the like it's fucking like close encounters. <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, uh, Twitter user at Trenchelton, uh, one of my friends from a uh, long, long time. 
is sending that to us. And he sent me a message that says, it does not take long to get sensual. I checked page seven. Yeah. So I'm on board. You get to listen to us read this. Uh, that's one of the bonus level bonus levels you can unlock <laughs> if you support us on Patreon. That was a weird way to promote this. If you if you are this is your first time listening to the show, stop, go back, listen to episode one. Go you listen to episode one before you listen to this. And for everybody else, we're in for a treat because today's episode. You ready, Dan? Manhunt. Manhunt two. <laughs> Manhunt 2, the manhunt's back! Manhunt 2, Pfeiffer Death, underscore, the manhunt's back. I'm so excited for this! It <laughs> rules! It is, in every possible way, a sequel and expansion upon Manhunt. It, because it is full stop it is the Spider-Man 2 to Manhunt Spider-Man. It does. It, it definitely does. The, I will even go as far to say that it is the Empire Strikes Back to Manhunt's. It's a more challenging version of Manhunt. It, there, there's more layers to it. There's more tension. Everything's bigger and harder and like... There's there's long shots of Andy and Barney like trekking through the wilderness with rifles that are just erotic as hell. It's just it's been cranked up to eleven. <laughs> uh, I'm so psyched about I've this. I've been cranked up to eleven. Uh, <laughs> let let's get rolling right into this. All right, so we are talking about episode thirty. Barney gets his man. Directed by Ooh. minor character in a Thomas Pynchon novel, Bob Sweeney. Guy who describes himself as a real mover and shaker, Bob Sweeney. And it is written by not the Charles Ellison and, and not the Ellison and Stewart uh, pair that wrote the original Manhunt. Uh, this is by Ben Gershman and Leo Solomon, who have also done a lot of good episodes, uh, including Andy and the Gentleman Crook. Fuck uh, yes. And a plaque for Mayberry uh, and Andy Forecloses. So a, a lot of the episodes that we've liked. Uh, so they're taking it and just ramping up. Fuck, the best... The the best writers came back for the best premise. Yeah, they're they're all up on this one. All right, so this airs original air date is May first, nineteen sixty one. Here is your one sentence summary. Barney accidentally helps capture Eddie Brooke, an escaped convict, but the criminal escapes again after swearing revenge on Barney. All right, so Eddie Brooke is played by character actor Barney Phillips, best known for being the alien in a human suit in one episode of the twilight zone there there is an episode of the twilight zone that is basically the usual suspects but with aliens and he shows up for the completely incomprehensible twist ending where i guess spoiler on the twilight zone at the very end it's revealed that basically every single character in the episode is an alien and he show he removes his hat revealing the most fake looking third eye i've ever seen duct taped to a human forehead to find that picture of him, because it is some astoundingly, beautifully bad special effects. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on that. Um, also uh, had a recurring role as Sergeant Ed Jacobs on the original Dragnet TV series. Because uh, he's definitely, like, looks like a hard-ass sergeant kind of guy. He's got the jowls of a sergeant. Yeah. 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 
he's definitely a guy that's going to tell you that you're you're a loose cannon cop in turning your badge and your gun. He looks like he should be firing wildly at a building from behind a car at all times. He just has that he has that that face of not just like cop face but wildly irresponsible cop face. But here he plays a convicted felon, convicted of something. I don't know. The yeah. one thing they say about him is he's a killer. Yeah. He's a he's a two-time loser. <laughs> they call him a two-time loser from Atlanta. It's, this is what the cops sound like on this show. It's kind of weird where at this point they're so vague about what any of the criminals do that being a criminal in the Andy Griffith universe is basically just a fashion choice. Yeah, like, yeah. they just dress like criminals and they're like, there's one of them, get him! Look at him with his criminal jacket. It's like, uh, it's like being a scene kid. <laughs> yeah! Like, it's like SLC punk. Or, <laughs> or just like every... They, you they you just kind of like be like I'm one of those criminals. Yeah, there's like an entire like store at the shopping mall. Cop topic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. Every single criminal who has ever been on the show has been guilty of crimes. <laughs> so, in this episode, what's his character's name again? Eddie Brooke. Eddie Brooke, a pretty for a pretty shitty criminal name. It's a bad name. Yeah. You know? It's it's like a step away from being Eddie Brock. Which is okay. It's um, I, I I I mean, I guess now I kind of associate him with Venom loosely in the back of my mind, which I was better? hoping to do that. He never turns into Venom or any way or behaves in any way like Venom, but you know, maybe. Um maybe that'll be a dream I have later. Show, this episode starts on a siren. Open up on a fucking car chase. Fuck it, like, cut from Andy Griffith and Opie, like, like tossing rocks into a lake. Just hard cut to, like, the, the, the wail of sirens and the screech of, of, uh, of Eddie Brooke. Hard cornerings of a piece of shit Cadillac. Yeah. Around, like, a dirt country road. I imagine that people back then must have been like, wait, this is the Andy Griffith show, right? Yeah, what like, is what is happening here? I, I, back then, I was doing it. Yeah! <laughs> you know the feeling we first had when we watched it of like, it feels like a different show has punched its way into that show? They were like, well, a crucial part of what made that episode good was being bewildered and terrified as soon as the manhunt shows up. So they just wanted to get that out of the way with the intro. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are watching not Barney and Andy, but two state cops, North Carolina state cops, chase down this guy in what I'm going to assume is a stolen Cadillac. Oh, of course. Uh, He's a criminal. As he as, After he escapes from the state prison. Uh, or not the best. He, he escaped from a prison in Atlanta, and now he's up in North Carolina. He do- he dodges them by ducking down a uh, a road, pu- jumping out of the car, and then just sort of taking off a shirt. Yeah, he, he strips slightly, so he just becomes like a guy in a t-shirt, I guess? Was that supposed to be like prison jacket? Because it looked like he was just an auto mechanic. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought it was. He was like taking off his prison clothes, his prison blues, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, Maybe it would have made more sense in color. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of weird. Well, hmm. It kind of looked like a cool hand Luke prison jacket. I assumed that this was happening in North Carolina, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was happening in Georgia. He takes off, like he had just escaped. No, no, no. He had just, uh, the... 
he th- this car chase ended and he's in Mayberry like two seconds later. Sure. So he hops out of the car. Next thing, fade to Mayberry. He's walking out of a suit store, which you know because it literally just says in giant like signs on the windows, suits. Yeah. Like suit, 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 suit. Like no fucking ambiguity whatsoever. And w- but if you just in, in, a- in fairness, there's like the suit corner here in Philadelphia too. So we definitely have. That's that's not a, a small town thing. That's true. Like I guess when you're selling suits, you can't be at all subtle. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing subtle about the suits. Advertising in the suit industry is an easy job. If we know one thing about people who buy and wear suits, it's that they're fucking illiterate morons, <laughs> and you really need to ha- like hammer them over the head. If you could put a blazer on one of those wacky inflatable <laughs> waving arm guys, they would do it. But. Donate to our Patreon and we will attempt to put a suit jacket on a wacky waving inflatable arm man. <laughs> that will go on the Break Mayberry Twitch stream. We also do have a YouTube page that we never talk about. Let's just fucking do that. How expensive can any of this be? Um, but, yeah, so he uh, he walks out and wait, if he just got out of jail, how the fuck does he have money to buy a suit? Maybe there was a setup, there may be a drop point, he had to have had a partner. Yeah, he's gotta be, it's it's old-timey criminals. They have an entire network to get each other stacks of cash on short notice. But he rolls out in a fine-ass suit, immediately starts smoking a cigarette, uh, and then proceeds to litter, which fills the passing Barney Fife, uh, who is accompanied by Andy Griffith, with just a seething rage immediately just like pops up like an angry like chihuahua uh and just sort of basically tells andy like i'm gonna go freak out on that guy and andy goes like that's cool you go hassle that guy i'm gonna get a coffee his his littering was like it's a cigarette butt right he threw a cigarette butt on the ground or something like that right yeah or like the receipt from the the store it was like a, a, a small amount of paper which I, G.I. Joe has taught me that littering is not okay, but it was a very small amount of littering. Yeah, this guy just happens to find himself on the wrong end of Barney's anal retentiveness. Yeah. Although, although, now that I think about it, Andy has said that as long as the city employs sweet sw- street sweepers, we have a moral obligation to litter a little bit. Yeah! That has been, like, Andy's direct quote. I, again... Andy only came up with that idea to justify, like, whatever the fuck he felt like doing that week. Yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember what episode it was. <laughs> it was, I think it was, there was an obligation for there to be crime to justify the existence of Barney. Yeah, So that that's idea what it was. has kind of come full circle. <laughs> it, it all, it all, it all comes back around. It's, the, all of the, uh, in a way, the littering is justifying the street sweeper, Barney. So, so Barney approaches, uh, Eddie Brooke. Uh, and is trying to cite him for littering. Eddie attempts to buy him off. He's like, just take this $5. Just, just get out of my face. And Barney, of course, cannot be bribed. Yeah. Uh, and this dude would have just been fine if he had just, like, paid the citation or whatever. I, 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 th- I felt like that's what he was trying to do. I thought he was like, okay, so whatever the citation is, here's $5. I'm paying for the citation. And Barney was like, you're trying to bribe me! And he should have just been like, what? I think he, he kind of was just like, what? No, no, I'm just giving, you're giving me a ticket and I'm giving you money. And Barney was like, bribery, bribery! But all of it's made immediately irrelevant because yeah. uh, the state police start to slowly drive by. Yeah. And Eddie sees this and he decides to make a break for it. Now, 
what happens next is entirely Eddie's fault. Yeah. Rather than turn around and run the other way, he decides to run directly into the member of law enforcement that is right in front of him. He not, runs into Barney, and they collide, and they not, kind of... Not past Barney. He does not try to run to the left of Barney. He tries to run through Barney's entire torso. Yeah. Yeah. So they collide, and that knocks him to the ground. And then they're in this weird, like, like leg lock kind of thing. I don't understand how Barney Five's body works and how they got into this position, but Barney has basically got this man pinned in, like, a scissor hold. He's, um, it's like he's leg wrestling, but also simultaneously a confused bird. Like... It's he's he's pinned him down and just sort of like waving his torso around wildly while Eddie just does something on the ground. Yeah, he makes zero attempt to get back up. They look like a four year old's idea of lovemaking. It it looks like a rendition of sex drawn in crayon. And so <laughs> this is what I bet this looks like. <laughs> and so uh, the state police see this, and they come, and they pick up Eddie, and they apprehend him. Yeah. Uh, and Andy, who is very confused, comes running up and says, What just happened? What's going on? And the state police say, Your deputy helped us take down Eddie Brooke. He's a two-time loser from Atlanta. <laughs> they really say two-time loser? Something like that, yeah. Like, a two-time loser? Or... I assume that means he's been convicted twice. So they're not even like, he's a good criminal. They're like, ah, oh, this... He's, he sucks at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your, your deputy uh, apprehended a real fucking jackass. I mean, well, I feel like justifiably, his escape plan was to try to just, like, will himself not made of solid matter. Oh, man. What if he, what if Eddie Brooke really is, for all intents and purposes, the evil version of Barney Fife, right down to incompetence? <gasps> there's like a, like, in Atlanta, there's an evil version of Andy Griffith. Who is... That's how he got the money. He, oh there's, my... there's an evil Andy out there that busted him out. Yes. Then in the third manhunt, evil Andy Griffith is going to roll through. He's going to look kind of like Andy Griffith, but with a mustache. And then he's going to be like, I'm looking for the man. And he's going to be saying this as he's like packing his cigarettes. I'm looking for the man who took down my, I guess, would he be like his apprentice? Yeah. My, like uh, my, my uh, deputy crook. My criminal equivalent of a deputy. <laughs> <laughs> and then as it like pulls around I'm like where's Barney Fife and it's gonna be like a uh like an unforgiven kind of situation <laughs> yeah like an unforgiven thing where like Andy's going to have to be like this violence only begets more violence <laughs> they haul him off and as he's being pulled off Eddie Brock says I'll get you for this De- uh, Eddie Brock yeah no Eddie Brock says I'll get you for this we'll thing. get you for this <laughs> Barney <laughs> and then he picks the lock using his symbiote yeah um, but yeah and then as as they're departing the townspeople begin te- gathering around Barney and telling the story of how Barney took this guy down they blocked him uh, doing an urban legend in real time yeah and Barney of course doesn't deny any of this although to be fair Barney is just very confused at this point. It starts out with, he took him down with a flying tackle. And then after that, it's, he punched him in the mouth. And then after that, there was a, there was a third one. Was it that he put him in a chokehold? Yeah, something like that. Like yeah. some John claude Van Damme, like, kickboxer shit. Yeah. I, uh. It should also be pointed out 
that this crowd of people around Barney has a very special distinction. Yeah, Dan and I freaked out when we saw it. We almost, like, lost our minds. Black people! There are black people in the crowd. (laughs) We got black people, everybody! (laughs) There are black people in Mayberry. (laughs) They don't say anything. And they are kept to the very, very edge of of the frame. Your girlfriend pointed out, like, he was like, wait, who's that barely on the screen? And we were like, what? Oh my god! Like, it, it it feels like they were like like sneaking them in. Yeah, and don't don't take our word for it. It is in the notes and trivia of the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki. What is it? Just it like, says I'm... first appearance of African Americans. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be a bullet that just said, "Oh, also black people." Yeah, <laughs> it basically is. <laughs> it's not that far from that. It's fucking crazy. So of course this is the episode that delivers that. Yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't say anything. They no. just kind of are, they're kind of the rabble, rabble, rabble. Just establishing that Mayberry does in fact have non-white people. So we now know that for a fact. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they, they begin telling the urban legend of Barney Fife Street Fighter. And then uh, Barney walks away proudly. And what I'm going to say is one of the coolest shots that we've seen in a while. Uh, Barney approaches the camera, which is almost like at ground level i pictured as some cameraman laying on his stomach and looking up and just barney towers over them as they as he like crosses over them yeah making him just look like a giant of a man i gotta say like barney five is immediately like just just riding high on raw ego i do have to say horrible mistake you're making townspeople of mayberry even if he did take down this criminal you have to know that boosting Barney's ego is a terrible idea. Yeah, they've known this man for a while. Like, If Barney Fife cured cancer, they should probably be like, Oh, hey, good job, man. Like, you need to keep Barney Fife somewhat humble. Him ego tripping is terrifying. It's dangerous. Yeah. The next shot uh, is Barney and Andy back at the jailhouse. Andy's trying to inquis- inquire to Barney, How did this happen? What happened here? And Barney, maybe I'll put the clip in here, but he basically just describes that he made his entire body an obstacle. I hit him with a body block. One of the classic body blocks. And he's just a, a body block? I turned my entire body into a living bulkhead. I, apparently we've stopped doing Don Knotts impressions and just turned into, like, fat Elvis period. You know, doing the karate. You start out to give a man a ticket for littering, and next thing I know, why you're the toast of Mayberry. <laughs> well... I'll admit it started out with littering, but the minute I seen him close up, I knew this was a bigger game. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, he seen me closing in. He made his move. And that's when you got him? He never had a chance. <laughs> How'd you get him down again? I gave him the old body block. The, the old body block? Yeah, that's where you make a weapon out of your whole body. Oh, is that what your body is? A weapon? When used correctly. Yeah, I turned myself into an obstacle. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm no longer Barney Fife the man, Barney Fife the bulkhead. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he hit him with the, at the body block. He made his entire body into an obstacle, which is true. Yeah. Like, that he, is, he's not lying. No. He, his entire defense strategy was have shitty weird arms that are confusing to to run into at full speed. Yeah, yeah. And so Barney proceeds to kind of get back to it. Oh, I, I should point out, Barney's girlfriend, Thelma Lou, has asked, like, do you want to go out tonight? Yeah. And he says, I can't go out, baby. I got to be on patrol. 
Barney Gum and part of the killing game. Barney Fife is so uninterested in Thelma Lou. Like he doesn't care about her at all. Yeah, just romantically, sexually. She's like she's always like, Do you wanna come over my place tonight? And he's always like I wish that it was more okay at that time to just show a like desperate un uh, desperate woman throwing him herself because it'd be really funny if this was like like a jughead and midge situation where she was just like constantly throwing him herself at him and he just did not care yeah that would be that would be a possibly funny bit you can't as it's been established by andy's dynamic with ellie the woman can't ever want to have sex like that's not even it's only appealing if the woman hates sex and you have to like badger her into it so he like brushes off Thelma Lou so he can go be part of what is he? It's, it's it's not like it's like the most dangerous. It's yeah. like the killing game, and I'm in it for keeps. Yeah, like no, that. he says some absolute fucking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Again, his brain is already warping. He's slowly ceasing to be in reality, and he's now in like a western. And that's the next couple of scenes. Basically, it's just Barney going from place to place bragging. Uh, and doing the body block thing in, we get another treat of uh, of Barney's weird jazzy fascist uh, theme song. Yeah, which is actually called Manhunt. That's is it name. really? That's the name of the theme. Oh my god! Yeah, no. So we get, we get a couple scenes of Barney just being the worst. Um, but in the, uh, back in the jail, uh, after Barney has finished uh, explaining his body block to Andy and decided to go on patrol, Opie rolls in armed. Yeah. Yeah, a, a heavily armed, well not heavily armed. Opie rolls in with a uh, a shiny toy pistol which doesn't have the orange cap on it, which yeah, I cuz it's the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> and and people just didn't really give a shit if you shot a kid back then. They just like get a new one. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Opie rolls in with a with a toy gun, runs it, points it at his dad like bang and like it's a cute thing of like Andy pretends to have been shot, and I'm like, is he just running around doing that in like a southern town? Because at one point one of the many drunk hillbillies wandering around is just gonna light Opie the fuck up. I mean, Opie's been shot at or had guns go off in the, his vicinity at least four times by this point. Yeah. So he's, he's used to it. Uh, by uh, the person who has been teaching Opie how to quick draw, Don Knotts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that gets brought, that's, that seed is planted here and it gets brought up again in a couple of episodes. But uh, Andy's response to that is like, <laughs> that's adorable. When it should have been, don't ever do anything related to quick drawing around uh, around Barney Fife. Do you understand me? That's when he's at his most idiotic and lethal. We get we get a little Andy monologue here uh where he talks about like talks about being afraid of things. He does a little mo- southern monologue about being a kid and one time I was afraid and I was hopping a fence and there was a big bull and and then, and then, uh, the joke is like, what did you do when you saw it? About 60 miles per hour. Which I kind of took as like, like, Opie was like, wow, so Barney's really cool for, uh, for, for having done this. And Andy's like, okay, well, I need to regain your undying affection, so here's a time I fought an animal. Yeah, it kind of does, because like, it starts off like he's trying to teach a lesson about bravery. He says something like, Sometimes brave, me- brave being brave means being scared enough to do something, which is gibberish, but yeah. all right, that sounds like a moral. Yeah. Uh, and then it just kind of quickly devolves into pay attention to me, love me, love your dad. Look over here, 
Look over here. Shiny objects. I got a, I got a bull over in this story. Don't pay attention to your uncle. Look over here. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a recurring theme in this show is Andy can't handle it if Opie's getting attention from, eh, or giving his attention to anyone else. Yeah, no, he, uh, he can handle it when, like, the town is paying attention to Barney, but the second Opie is like, oh, hey, Barney, you're pretty cool, and he's like, hey, 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 hey. Not just Barney, literally anybody. Enter Aunt B. She's been looking all over for Opie. She has the idea, like, it's so great what Barney did, and this stuff happens so rarely. We should have a party for Barney. Yeah. Uh, when we keep it small, just us and, Sel- and Thelma Lou. No Ellie included here. I don't know what the deal is with that. We still, we have one more Ellie episode. Mm-hmm. Ellie has not bailed yet. This is the episode where they're doing the contract negotiations. Yeah, yeah. So they say we're going to have this celebration. We're going to have a party for Barney. We cut to... The party. This is, I, don't, I guess it's probably Barney's house that they're at. I don't know where they're at. It's probably Thelma Lou's house, right? Maybe it's Thelma Lou's house. Yeah. yeah. Which, I know they said that they were going to keep it small and that was on purpose. It's a really sad party. It's, yeah. It's a big, empty house and, like, four people in it holding a cake. Like, even if you told me that that, that was on purpose, that, that sight would bum me out so much. Thelma Lou is worried because Barney is late. And right. she's like, what if something's happened to him? Where is he? Like, what's what's what could be taking him so long? And everyone's like, oh, don't shut Thumbelou, shut the fuck up. Like, you're they, they basically immediately brush her off. But in a way of just like, you're always like this. I got to say, like, through no fault of her own, Thumbelou is the worst character on the show. Or I think Thumbelou does switch actresses a few times. I don't I couldn't recognize one from another. She yeah. never has lines except just. Barney. Yeah. Like, she never even talks about other characters. It's just constantly Barney fight. And with, like, a hint of self-awareness that could have been funny. But it's not. It's yeah. It's just boring. The, uh, the the two state policemen arrive. Yeah, the, the a cop car pulls up. They're like, it's Barney! And then they, they open the door. Surprise! And it's the two state policemen who basically come in and be like, so listen... We goofed real bad. Yeah, listen, I gotta say, after this and the other Manhunt episode, the state police have no right to down-talk the Mayberry PD ever again. Apparently, it's incredibly easy to escape from the North Carolina State Police. We went to a gas station. Johnson here told me that it was impossible to lick your own elbow, so naturally, I tried. In the half hour we were doing that, uh crazy thing brooks got away he snuck out through the window in the bathroom we would have come by and told you earlier but again elbow (laughs) (laughs) so barney here yeah you guys you understand don't you that's how this this stuff goes so barney barney hears this news and Immediately, this this bothered me a little bit just from like a storytelling perspective. We get an audio flashback. He remembers the words, I'm going to get you for this, Barney. And then they go, Barney, Barney, are you okay? And then we get, as if we didn't get the point in the first place, a visual flashback <laughs> of the thing we just had an audio flashback of five fucking seconds like, earlier. The best part of that, the, the thing that does rule about that is as like they fade back from the visual flashback, just I'm going to get you, Fife. It slowly fades back, and perfectly imprinted over Eddie's face is just Andy going like, What are you gonna do, Barney? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that does rule. It was sort of unsettling that it's like, 
like Andy just like poking his head from behind the flashback, like, "Hey, what's going on? Hey, you you got flashback going on in here?" Well, I tell you, this is one of the best damn flashbacks <laughs> I ever saw. Tell you, the time I saw a flashback when I was oh about yay high to a grasshopper, and this grasshopper was flashing back to a time when he was playing the fiddle. In which it then just cuts to a petrified. Don Knotts, and then... Yeah, Barney's Barney's now back at the jail, and I feel like he may have just gone, like, stiff as a board, and Andy carried him to his seat, I guess. Just, like, put... He's been, like, putting him under his arm and just, like, carrying him from place to place. And then, as he's just sort of, like, standing in the jail, Thelma Lou opens the door, and there's actually a really good shot of Barney Fife spinning around and, like, pulling out his gun and pointing it at his girlfriend, finger on the trigger, ready to unload. It is a cool shot. He... He pulls off that quick draw. It really, it takes advantage of Don Knotts' physicality. Yeah. Uh, really well in, like, a non-silly way. Thelma Lou reacts to almost being opened up with bullet holes. Like, as if Barney had farted in bed. Like, she's just like, like, oh! I feel like if we're ever gonna get through all episodes of the Andy Griffith Show, we just have to kind of stop being amazed by this. Never. <laughs> You'll never take away from me just how insane it is that no one is ever afraid of getting shot. Like, do you think maybe in the AG... We've never actually seen anyone actually get shot. Maybe bullets were were softer back then. I mean, cars were lighter back then. We know that. They had used up all the metal during the war. So bullets were mostly just like salt, just like rock salt back then. Yeah. It's why everyone's just so chill about Don not spending them all over town. But yeah, Thelma Lou runs in and continues to be worried. Yeah, she's basically like, Barney, can't you leave town for a few days? Shouldn't you just go away and hide from all this? And Andy kind of comes in and is like, that might not be such a bad idea, Barney. I gotta say, every time Thelma Lou gives an impassioned like speech in this episode, in the back of my head I'm just like, man, you're cheating on her all fucking over the place like he does he has a mistress through this entire impassioned monologue from Thelma Lou he has a failed attempt at a mistress I don't think he and Juanita Beasley ever hook up I think they just like are constantly missing each other for the entire series I could be wrong he's no he's having phone sex with her pretty uh pretty constantly yeah that's true they're going strong into like season seven Juanita Beasley he's he's fucking Juanita Beasley yeah I'm glad you think that, because when Thelma Lou talks, I don't think anything. <laughs> I think this is a couple of minutes of television. Just like, you're just playing air guitar in your head for the entirety of uh, of, of her monologues. No, yeah, I'm always like, I'm, she's supposed to be just like, insert girlfriend here. But every time, she's like a weirdly tragic character, because like, her no-chin-ass limp-wristed boyfriend is just cheating on her and she's utterly devoted to him she's uh, a really fucking sad character yeah I, justice for thelma lou yeah uh, hashtag justice ha- for thelma lou hashtag justice for thelma lou they like that yeah. basically the cops come in uh and they say that they found an abandoned car that they believe uh was stolen by eddie uh, up at badger's woods and there's a good moment here where the state police they leave they say meet us out there and he starts to load up his gun he starts to load up his equipment and like the radio they got he turns to barney you get the feeling that andy knows what's going on he says well barney like giving barney the chance to leave and barney says let's go and then andy says well all right 
let's load up. And then they start getting the rifles off the wall. The rifles that Don Knotts has been stroking lovingly the entire season. Uh, it is a very good moment. It's so fucking badass. It's like some shit out of Predator. It rules. The next thing, they're they're outside in the woods. Um, and to be fair, the next couple of scenes are just them wandering around the woods with rifles. Um, just a series of really cool shots of them getting out of the cars, getting the rifles, and then just like stomping around the woods looking for Eddie while holding rifles and shotguns. Uh, there's a couple of good bits. Uh, Andy climbs up a tree because he wants to like get a better view. Uh, Barney, of course, is afraid of being left alone down, down, uh, downstairs. Downstairs, yes. <laughs> downstairs. Down downstairs. tree stairs. <laughs> so... So it's a pretty funny bit where Andy climbs into the trees, into branches, and then the camera pans away from Andy, and then he pans back to the other side of Andy where Barney has rejoined him. Why have they not gotten back up? That is a question I have just because, like, why are they still using the two shithead police officers who can't keep track of one dude when for, like, the other manhunt, they had, like, a small army? I'm gonna tell you, probably those two shithead officers, uh, fucking Johnson and and Johnson there. Yeah, it's Uh, Johnson and Johnson. This is the origin story of the characters from Die Hard. Yeah, uh... They have not reported it yet. Yeah. There's not a chance that they... They they reported it, but they reported, like, the wrong zip code. So there's, like, 70 police cars just swirling into, like, the neighboring town. Like, all right, where are they? Mayfield. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, they sent us to Mayberry, Georgia. Fuck! There's another moment where Barney gets startled by hearing something in the brush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he pulls out his gun because he, he thinks that it's there. He's a dangerous killer. He's ready. To, he's got. He's drawn on it, and it turns out to be a little bunny rabbit. And then there's this weird moment between Barney and Andy, where Andy is like trying to calm Barney's nerves, and he basically says, "Look, anyone could have believed that. Like you didn't know that that was a bunny. You could have been him." And Barney says, "Well, I noticed that you didn't draw your gun, which has never been a problem for Barney before." Yeah. Barney has never cared about drawing his his gun when no one else did. He's embarrassed of this. Yeah. Character growth, I guess. I guess? Yeah. I think it took this for him to realize what a ridiculous little shit he is. I'll take it. Yeah, sure. Sure. And so there's this moment, like, Barney radios... No, I'm sorry. Andy radios on this, like, giant (laughs) 10-pound... Like, oh, yeah, no, they're carrying around radios that are, like, the size of backpacks. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. He's, like, got it clipped to, uh, the, the tech is, it's I, dumb and boxy and really cool. I, I like thought it. they were machine guns at first. I was like, oh, they brought shotguns and machine they guns. They brought the heavy cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they, they march off to go rendezvous at the old barn with our two dipshit cops. <laughs> Just, the other two dipshit cops, not the ones that are, that are out of the heads. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. So the theory is is proposed over the radio that Eddie has, has ducked into this nearby barn to hide out. Uh, and so they all convene there. Uh, they, they roll up on this farm, and uh, Andy's, uh, Andy sends Barney and Steve, or Jeff, or a miscellaneous white guy name here. Bulky cop. Yeah. <laughs> 
You and Big Chin get into that chicken house and check it out. Me and Flattop are gonna check the barn. They go in and they sort of start like, like, like stepping around. And uh, as they're they're searching the barn, Andy looks up and he sees Eddie's foot in the what's the I guess in the loft, the hayloft, the hayloft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sees Eddie's foot, and Flattop is starting to like climb up the ladder to check out the loft. And for some reason, Andy stops him and says, like, Oh, hey, um, you don't need to check up there. He's probably not in there. To which the fucking cop is like, Yeah, you're right. Which, no, you're... Does he have a knife? I feel like I, I saw him with a knife he in has that little nothing. overhead shot. He has fists and anger. Like, okay. that's all he's got. Um, so... Andy, like, sends the cop away, uh, and is like, we're gonna go search the woods again. Barney, come in here. Yeah, so he's he's setting Barney up, is what he does. Uh, and he tells Barney, like, hey, Barn, we're gonna go, you're our new communications point. You stay here with the radio. And, he, and then he proceeds to loudly say, hey, remember that time that you caught Brooks? Remember that time you made him look like a complete fucking chump with your awesome kung fu that you did at him, Barney? Eddie, that piece of shit? Alright, bye. And then just pieces. He does it specifically to agitate Brooke. It's not like Eddie Brooke needed more agitation. He has not forgotten what happened. We don't need an audio and a visual flashback for Eddie. His short-term memory is intact. Yeah. It has not been blown away by years of PTSD damage from being a librarian on Staten Island. He's a jowly cauldron of murder rage. He does not need any help getting there. This is why I thought Brooke had a knife. Because he's slowly reaching for an axe handle. Yeah. As he climbs down to get Barney. Barney's like chewing some gum and he's like really afraid. Barney is chewing gum that seems to be in the form of newspaper because he is just ripping off these giant fucking strips of gum and just jamming it into his mouth. Oh, well, well, actually he just dropped like five tabs of acid. Yeah. That's what had actually happened right there. It seemed like a good time to trip. Barney subscribes to the Apocalypse Now School of Crisis Management of just whenever things get a little too much... Try some acid. It's okay, though. We're in a good situation because Andy is handling this. He's gone around the side. So he's, like, crouched down outside of the barn looking in, monitoring this entire situation through the window. With his fucking gun out. Andy Griffith is holding a pistol. Which feels weird to see. Yeah. Like, we've seen him hold a pistol one more time, and I'm sure that it was a blank because he just fired it into the air. Yeah. Like, to start a race, basically. Uh, And... So he's got his gun drawn. I wonder if this is the one of the few times we'll see Andy with a gun drawn. If there's a bad situation, he's, can, he can take care of it. It's this incredibly tense scenario because it, it, it takes a really long time where Eddie is climbing down the ladder. Barney is stuffing his face with gun like, gum like a dipshit. Uh, and Andy is just sort of watching with a gun drawn. And Eddie, to his credit, manages to completely sneak up on Barney. Just, like, get right up on him with the axe handle. This is a good example of the Alfred Hitchcock uh, bomb under the table rules for building tension. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? So Explain it. Alfred Hitchcock had a theory, like a formula, basically, for introducing tension. 
uh, he called the bomb under the table. Uh, so basically the idea is have two characters in a room, put them at a table, and then place a bomb under the table. Uh, what that means is essentially uh, give the audience information that the characters don't have. In this case, the audience knows that there's a bomb under the table. The audience knows that Brooke is in the barn. Yeah. So that's how you introduce tension initially. And we learned this from the overhead shot. We learned that, that Brooke is in the hayloft. Yeah. We know that before Andy does. Yeah. Then step two is tell one character about the bomb. We now have one character who knows about the bomb. In this case, Brooke. One character does not. Mm. The final step essentially is wait until the bomb is as close as it can be to going to going off and then defuse the situation. Right. So this is what happens. Uh, we wait until Andy, who has the information, is watching the bomb, in this case Brooke, get closer and closer to the character who does not have the information. And at the last second before the bomb goes off, in this case uh, before... Uh, Brooke gets the axe. Yeah. He diffuses it, not by shooting, but by throwing a rock into the window uh, and hits a lantern or something, which spooks Barney and makes him turn around and fire a, a round. Wildly just in the wrong direction. He sure. shoots a lantern several feet away from Eddie. Sure. But it does cause Eddie to drop the axe, put his hands up, and say, I surrender. Yeah, exactly. So... It works in the most jackass way possible. Um, With a good, a good diffusing of the tension. It's a good scene all it's around. It's a great scene. Andy is being an absolute jackass throughout the entirety of it. This was... He, like, played God with the arrest of a dangerous criminal and the life of his deputy uh, for, I guess, yet another attempt to boost Barney's self-esteem? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean... We're we're just going to have to assume that Andy is omnipotent and had the whole thing under control, but it, he didn't. Uh, and then, uh, once again, everybody kind of runs in and they take Brooke, who is now surrendered, off to jail again. The punchline of the scene is Barty looks very shocked and confused at uh, what he just saw or what just happened. And Andy asks, you alright, Barn? And with a there's a beat and then Barney says, I swallowed my gum. <laughs> I good feel please tell me please write to me if you've heard that line i swallowed my gum somewhere else because as soon as i saw it i was like i I feel i feel like i've seen that happen before i i feel like i've heard the i swallowed my gum line but google was no help to me you know what it honestly reminded me of a polar bear fell on me Uh, wrote roadhouse oh yeah yeah. the 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 film the film roadhouse man i'm from Uh, yeah, no, it, it reminded me of that line just in, like, the weird delivery. And then cut to the stinger of of Barney in the jail, uh, along with Andy, trying to get Andy to, like, hear his story about, uh, about apprehending Eddie for undoubtedly the 10,000th time. Sure. Yep, yep. Uh, and Andy just goes like, hey man, I gotta leave, I gotta get the fuck out of here, I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. And Barney's just like, oh, yeah, and just kind of, like, like, stomps around the, the jailhouse sad. Uh, and then Andy sneaks back in with Aunt B, Thelma Lou, Opie, and inexplicably, the cops! Yeah. Who are still here! <laughs> who are just like, and they all just like come in with a cake. And then Barney, for like the 12th time this episode, spins around and almost shoots everyone. 
Uh, and they're like, oh, Marty, let it go. Don't worry, Tiger. Yeah, they call him Old Tiger Fife, which, all right. I guess. It's not the, not the, the, the smoothest nickname. It's, uh, t- tigers are well known for their marksmanship, I suppose. Yeah, you, you just kind of took two things and put them together, but, you know. Old Viper Steve. They call me, like, Coyote Dan. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Jerry the Lunkfish. <laughs> The Andy Griffith School of Nicknames. Uh, and, and so they're like, we're just, no, we're here for your actual party. And then they do like, I, what, to the tune of For He's a Jolly Good Fellow? Maybe this is a 1950s thing I've ever heard, but they're like, <laughs> what's the matter with Barney? He's alright. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> a song they wrote when just like the plagues were just decimating populations and they were like, Oh, like, what if there's a jaunty song where you wonder if someone's uh, someone's dying and then it turns out they're not? Yeah. That's the best possible scenario like, we can dream for. Couldn't you just do a hip-hip hooray or something? I have no idea what the hell this What's the Matter with Barney stuff is, but it is a relic of a bygone era. Uh, I, I kind of... You know, the, the, add this to the ever-growing list of things on this show that make me go, Was this a thing? Like, the, if, if nothing else, for the next season, we'll have a recurring segment called, Was This a Thing? Where we We're going to... to use that exact sound clip. Yeah. Yeah. Barney follows that by asking a, a question that everyone laughs off. Why are the cops here? Is Eddie escaped again? Is he going to come for me again? And everyone's like, <laughs> oh, Barney. But I'm also, like, behind him in that scenario, be like, but why are the cops here, though? Yeah, no, like, that's, Where is that's Eddie? a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure you guys got it under control. Where did you leave Eddie, you fucking morons? Oh, he, he's bringing the forks. Yeah, <laughs> they have him just, like, handcuffed to the steering wheel of the cop car. Like, just, and, and he promised super hard that he's not going to try to steal it. We left the keys in the ignition. Yeah. It, it's cool. Well, we needed him to be able to play the radio. And you had to have the AC on. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> he's handcuffed to the steering wheel. Where is he going to go? These, they're the fucking worst cops that have ever been on this show. Surprisingly, because Barney Fife is on this show. <laughs> it's a show entirely dedicated to incompetent cops. And these are the two dumbest <laughs> cops we've ever seen. They're, they're so fucking stupid that I, we probably get, like, paper bags stuck on their heads and try to get out of them by running backwards. <laughs> I, I wish that we had gotten a spinoff of these idiots. <laughs> these dipshit cops. Alright. So, internal affairs just follows these two morons around just paying their salaries. Let's go ahead and that seems like a good time to shift to our, our ratings. Uh so that was Manhunt 2! The Manhunt's back! Manhunt! Fight for death. Oh god, it's so fucking good. Okay, so Andy Meter 10. 10. 10. It's is it as good as uh as as a gentleman crook? No, but it's only like a percentage point off, and we didn't do a percentage system. Yeah, it's it's you know we didn't we didn't do decimals on this one. No decimal scoring. We round up on Breaking Mayberry. <laughs> yeah, it's legitimately good. Yeah, it's got it's got some good scenes of, of dramatic tension, uh, some great cinematography. Uh, it's it's really like this is a Bob Sweeney hallmark episode. Bob Sweeney earns his fucking keep. Bob Sweeney has redeemed himself from Andy and Opie housekeepers through this episode. I, you know, we keep making jokes about different Bob Sweeney's, but it really is a question of like which Bob Sweeney came up to play. And yeah, like, and like Big Dick Bob Sweeney came out swinging this time. Bob, my head cannon for Bob Sweeney 
is that he is a crippling alcoholic, but he's a goddamn talented one. So every time they're like, well, you know, is he on or off the wagon? Uh, is he is he going to show up hungover, drunk, or sober? And this is a sober Bob Sweeney episode. Ooh, counterpoint, he's at his best when he's drunk. It's like a legend of drunken master kind of situation. He's at his best when he's drunk, but that's also when he's uh, when the episodes are the most problematic. Mm, okay, I like yeah, it. Yeah, no, like Andy it. and Opie house, house cleaners. That was hungover Sweeney. Okay. Hungover Sweeney just kind of bunts. Fifometer is pretty low on this, other than the like like standard level of Barney almost shoots people, yeah. which has just kind of become like like an acceptable two. Um, yep, yep, no, that's the mandatory Barney almost commits several murders. Yeah. Uh, Andy plays God a little bit with uh, the apprehension of a dangerous criminal. A killer, a murderer. Uh, Andy does yeah, kind of be like, yeah. like I mean, let's make sure this happens in a way I want it to happen. Yeah, I mean, he does have the good sense to, like, have his partner's back, right? If He, he has he, his partner's back in a scenario that he invents to put his partner in danger. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I... But again, it's just like the background noise level of fucked up. Yeah, I can't, I can't give this more than a three on the five. I'm gonna say like two point five. Yeah, I think it's just, I think. Uh, now, I, now, if this was a dipshit copometer, yes. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I think a two should be our like our preset score for Andy and Barney do Andy and Barney shit. Andy abuses his power and Barney almost kills a child. That's so that's going to wrap up the episode. I already told you at the beginning of the episode all the places you can talk to us, but remember it's once again it is on Twitter at @breakmayberry, breakingmayberry@gmail.com, facebook.com/breakingmayberry. Please remember to if you like what we're doing, rate and review and subscribe and do all of that good stuff and please share us with your friends. Uh, you can get to me online. I am at Schneid Remarks. I'm at the Luds. Uh, and of course, Ron Howard uh, is at Real Ron Howard. This time for your hashtag tweet at Ron Howard. Give Ron Howard your best gardening tips. Send Ron Howard pics of plants or genitalia. Please stop you... telling people to sexually <laughs> harass Ron Howard. Do you think his DMs are open? Someone <laughs> else sexually harassed Ron Howard, so I'm not the only one doing it. There's a recording of you <laughs> saying this. People can hear you. <laughs> Don't worry, we're doing a show about the Andy Griffith show. No one's listening. As always, our opening music was done by Max Ludwig, who is online at Sleep Talkie. Our logo was designed by Scribble Emily on Instagram. Uh, our end music you're about to hear is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Mid Air Machine, and it rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, Undoubtedly. Next time, we're going to do another sequel episode. We're going to do The Guitar Player Returns, which is the sequel to The Guitar Player, which was episode three for us? Yeah. Yeah. Or episode three for, uh, for Andy Griffith Show, episode two for us, I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to listen to that and get refreshed before you listen to us next time, that's a good idea. Well, until then, we'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Y'all come back now.
Kids died all the time. Uh, it was polio in, in the brain. Polio in bullet form. You have a fucking, like... <laughs> that took a minute to hit. No, it only takes a couple seconds to hit, actually. <laughs> That's what guns are. Fuck you. 